0: Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, don't be mad if the Falcons win more games than you want them to. Ritter or Willis, did the Falcons make the right decision? And I'm saying no, 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 no to this proposed Hawks trade. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. We welcome you into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Asking you to head over to YouTube, youtube.com. Put in your browser Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can find the show. Subscribe, ever growing man. Um, a lot of folks are signing up. We're, Pushing toward a thousand subscribers. So we really appreciate everybody being a part of our new community. Leave us a comment, tell us what you think about the show, give us a review, and also to follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. Don't be mad if the Falcons win more than what you want them to. Now, if you look at Vegas odds right now, you've got multiple sports books that have the Falcons somewhere between four and a half, five wins. Somewhere around in that range. I'm sure there are a few outlier sports books that have them a little bit higher, a little bit lower, whatever like that. But four and a half, five wins is about where most sports books have the Falcons right now. Arthur Smith and, and, and Terry Fontenot to this degree, too. They have both been very open and honest about the idea of they're not tanking, they're trying to build, they're trying to win. Now, we know the challenges. You moved on from Matt, this that, and the other and things like that. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith recently spoke with Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback, and asked about what the goals are and what they're trying to do in this and the other. Arthur Smith said this, quote, you're always trying to win. And the caption that they have says, Smith says with a little edge in his voice, quote, I don't know what coach goes in there and doesn't try to win. That's just insane to me. Now I know everyone's at different phases. There's been a lot of teams crowned in the off season but this team's excited to go out there and compete. That's what we get paid to do. It's as simple as that. And I agree with the coach. I know there are a lot of Falcon fans that are hoping that we're really bad and awful and we're tanking and we're going to get in the CJ Stroud or Bryce Young conversation. And that's where we're going to end up. And yeah, I know we drafted Ritter this year, but you know, we're going to be back in the top three and we're going to get one of those stud quarterbacks and, off our franchise goes. As Lee Corso likes to say, not so fast, my friends. We saw last year, Arthur Smith, what he did with a depleted roster. I would tell you last year's roster was worse than the one the year before. And when you factor in, for instance, they had 18 sacks, one of the most dreadful numbers maybe ever in the NFL defensively. And through all of that, still found a way to win seven games. Now, obviously, they had a very experienced and successful quarterback at the helm leading their team. So there is something to be said about that. But if we look at what Arthur Smith, Dean Pease are able to do with lesser talent, then I think the Falcons are in for certainly a more successful year than what the Vegas odds have them for, you know, now I'm not saying they're going to win 10, 11, 12 games or something like that. But if you told me that they won six or seven games, this year, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Now, you win six or seven games, and you're sitting, you know, five, six, seven, eight, or whatever, you're not in the CJ Stroud, Bryce Young category. You're not in the mix for one of those guys. You better be a top three team if you want one of those guys. Because I have a hard time imagining, and I've seen mocks already for next year, and this, and the other, and all the nonsense. How are you gonna tell me that Stroud, Young, and Will Anderson aren't the three top picks in the draft. That's the three far and away best players in college football coming back. I mean, far and away. It's not even close. Who's fourth? Who's the next best player behind those three guys? The absolute wrecking crew of defensive player and then the two far and away top-tier quarterbacks. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner and the guy who's going to lead, without a doubt, the most potent offense in America, and you saw at the end of last year, even with Olavian Wilson sitting on the Rose Bowl, didn't matter, 90 touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Utah, who is a good defensive team, by the way. But that's the three top-tier guys, without question. And if you're not in the top three, you're not going to be there. And I'm not expecting a 3-14 and 14 top of year from the Falcons. I don't think they're going to be great, but Arthur Smith is telling you that they don't have plans on – tanking and being bad and things like that. Now, Arthur Smith also in this article in talking about bringing guys in and creating a winning culture and bringing in players who want to win. Quote, you need results in some way, shape, or form to have that buy-in. You can't just be selling hope. And I think last year, certainly, we didn't get to where we wanted to. We weren't playing in the postseason, but. We were in it until just about the very end all the way until Buffalo in early January. So the team did start to see results. They saw the mindset shift. They understand what style we want to play in all three phases. There was definitely progress made. And I agree. And I agree wholeheartedly. They've already talked about Fontenot and Smith about the idea of bringing in players who want to win. We've heard Casey Hayward say, Hey, look, he's super excited to play the AJ trail and he came here to win. So, Even the guys that you're bringing in, and this is what I talk about, about bringing in guys from a winning culture. It's why I get frustrated about bringing in so many people from the Chicago Bears. Why not bring in guys from a winning culture? Tennessee, New Orleans, you know, places that Fontenot and Smith have direct contact with. And yes, they have brought in several guys from the Tennessee Titans, right? They brought the long snapper in. They brought Rashawn Evans in. I mean, they've brought guys in. But my point is, this is part of why I got frustrated about bringing in guys from the Chicago Bears organization, front office coach, GM, players, because they don't have any culture of winning. Doesn't matter. It's more than just their one-year contract. And, well, they won't be here. Doesn't matter. This is not a throwaway year in the eyes of the coach and the general manager. They're trying to build this thing up, create a core create a group of guys and a culture that embraces winning. And that's what you want. That's that's why I think Arthur Smith and Dean Pease really are the right guys for this job right now. Then I'm very much excited. Look, I have more confidence in Terry Fontenot than I did, say, even a month or two ago. But after last year, I had a bunch of confidence, in Arthur Smith, and I think he's a good coach, and I think he's going to help this organization out tremendously. But this idea of tanking, and again, the idea of bringing in guys from organizations that don't win is tough. Now, Arthur talking about in the rebuild and where we're at and moving on from that, quote, you want to do it in phases. you got to assess the place. You don't truly know a place until you're there for a whole year, what's really doable and what's not. Obviously as we transitioned last year, it started to feel a lot different than it had been. Normally there's a natural progression. When you bring in a new GM and coach, I always say this and I'll go on record, they had really good coaches. I have a ton of respect for Dan and that staff. But as things cycle out, there's a new regime in and we had to go through our own transition and that's not gonna all happen overnight. You need to assess everything and that team last year competed the best it could I think we have a much clearer picture now. And you've seen the Falcons address needs in free agency, in the draft, that they're building this thing up. So again, I'll say to you, don't be frustrated or don't be angry if the Falcons don't look like a team that's tanking, if they're not below what their win total is. They are trying to win now. You can say it's crazy because of the roster and this and the other, and I'm not going to completely argue that but they're building a culture and a mindset and finding players and making draft picks based upon what they've got to do to elevate this thing and take it to the next level. And I know Terry's Fontenot, Terry Fontenot, excuse me, has talked about the idea of that we're on maybe some of uh, similar path of Buffalo. Okay. To be honest with you, Buffalo drafted a quarterback and it completely worked out probably worked out better. Well, it worked out better than I thought it was going to work out. I said, Josh Allen was the kind of guy that gets your GM fired, but, it's worked out even better than they could have imagined. So if you do get the quarterback right, and again, we'll talk about Desmond Ritter in the next segment. If they do get the quarterback right, then this thing goes in a quick fashion. Very, I mean, it's going to go quickly. It won't take this team long. But I think they have the right guy at the helm. I like what Dean Pease does for the defense. And just imagine that even if they can just take a couple of steps of improvement year over year, They may have lost Ridley, and there are no more Julio and Matt, and it is a transitional roster from what it was just a few years ago and what the mindset of let's go all in for Super Bowl. But bringing Grady back and having some of those leaders, he talked about Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom as being leaders. He talked about A.J. Terrell and Grady Jarrett being leaders. This is also why it's important to keep your core and keep your good players around keeping Grady Jarrett around who's been with the organization and knows what the culture is and knows what this franchise is like it's important to have that continuity and keep guys that have been here and show other players about what it means to win and Grady I know we haven't won much the last few years but Grady was here for the Super Bowl year he was here for the Super Bowl year he was here for the year after that when they were a divisional playoff team so I like the direction that this thing is going All good on the Arthur Smith, but don't be mad if they win more than what you think. All right, when we come back, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis. Some people asking, did the Falcons pick the right quarterback? We'll talk about it next on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Asking you again, head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser, subscribe, leave us a review, tell us what you think, give us some feedback on the episodes. And of course, want you to follow me on my personal Twitter page, at jmch316. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN has a story about why the Falcons took Desmond Ritter over Malik Willis. He talks about the fact that Malik Willis, quote, lacked the signature moments, unquote, in college in the eyes of the Falcons that Desmond Ritter had. Also, um, Desmond Ritter had a, quote, had showcased a more complete body of work, plus Ritter's confidence and polish in the process helped, per the report. Coaches who interviewed him noted that the quarterback outlined his plans to unseat a veteran, wherever they landed. Now, look, it was a question that was brought up about, did the Falcons make the right pick because Desmond, uh, sorry, that Malik Willis went right after Desmond Ritter, right? And there were people who thought the Falcons should either at eight draft Malik Willis or even trade up to get him to make sure that Carolina or something didn't snag him beforehand. And as it turned out, Willis ended up being a, a later round pick. I like the idea of having Desmond Ritter here. And while I like the upside of of Willis, um, and maybe that ceiling is a little bit higher than, than, than Ritter just because of the natural athleticism that he has. There's no doubt about it that Malik Willis is a physically gifted guy. Throw it all over the yard, make big runs, and this, that, and the other. But as a quarterback and what he did for his what he did for his program, you can't argue with what Desmond Ritter did. Now, there are people who've compared Desmond Ritter to Marcus Mariota in in how they profile. I hope that's not the case. I, I don't want I don't want Desmond Ritter to profile like Marcus Mariota at all. With all due respect to Marcus Mariota, he's the second overall pick and he's on his third team in seven years. That's not what I want Ritter to be. If Ritter's on his third team in seven years, then it completely didn't work out for Desmond Ritter as an Atlanta Falcon. But I'm okay with the idea of they took Desmond Ritter over Malik Willis. If you're talking about a guy, this is one of the things that Arthur or or, or Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith both talk about is where your floor and your ceiling is. It's not just who has the higher ceiling, but who doesn't have as low of a floor. And I feel like Malik Willis may take longer to develop. And so his floor could be, you know, of, you know, where where's that starting point? I feel like that that's much lower with Desmond Ritter. Not saying Desmond Ritter isn't a project in some ways. He's got to get his completion percentage up. Obviously, he has to see NFL competition. But those are all true about Malik Willis as well. Ritter may not be... the same type of athlete that that Malik Willis is. But when you talk about being a quarterback and being more polished and having those big moments and being in big games, he did see a lot of good competition. Remember, this is a guy who over the last couple of years has played Alabama and Georgia and Notre Dame and, and power five teams. It's not just been Memphis, Navy, Tulane, Yes, those are teams that he played in college, but he played Georgia and Alabama and Notre Dame and schools like that. So I I definitely am on the side of, especially where they got him, that if, if it was Willis or Ritter, I'm okay with the idea of taking Desmond Ritter. I think that that floor is higher. I don't know if the ceiling is as high But I do think that he's a more polished quarterback, been in bigger moments, and has done more as an overall body of work than what Malik Willis has done. Doesn't mean that Ritter is going to be a complete success or anything like that. But Willis does feel like that there's a lot of risk that's involved with him. Remember, Willis is a guy who was at Auburn, couldn't get the starting job there, transferred to Liberty. And no doubt about it. He brought Liberty to pretty good heights. And, you know, Hugh Freeze got back in the national picture as far as a good coach and this, that, and the other. I just think when you look at what Ritter did, well, they program that's pretty good in Cincinnati. They they've they've always been a stepping stone program for coaches and players and stuff. Remember, that's the team that Tim Tebow played in his final game. You know, in, in Tim Tebow's Final game in college football. It was in the Sugar Bowl against the Cincinnati, you know, Bearcats. I mean, they, uh, they, I think that was the Brian Kelly team, and all this that, and the other. But anyway, Ritter to me feels like a much more finished and polished product, at least coming out of college, than what's what Willis does. And it'll be interesting because Willis is going to get probably not a chance to start right away either in Tennessee. I don't think Desmond Ritter's gonna get a chance to start right away in Atlanta. I, I think that they have the luxury of, okay, let's bring this guy in. Let's play him a lot in the preseason. Let's see what he's got. Let's let him learn and tutelage. And I like the fact that Arthur Smith has, you know, a guy from the very beginning that he can tutelage and work with. Say what you will, but Arthur Smith had a chance to coach Mariota. Tannehill and got some production out of those guys, especially Tannehill. I mean, you know, Mariota had his chances and kind of flamed out, but he brought Brian Tannehill and Tannehill had some big years under Arthur Smith, um, you know, in Tennessee. So I'm on board with it. I'm on board. I I I had mocked, you know, the idea of when I put together my mock draft, I had taken Desmond Ritter in my one and only mock. And, you know, part of it was, I thought that Malik Willis wouldn't be there. But as I think about it now and I kind of go back and look and assess and analyze and look at some numbers and, you know, you start reading the scouting reports on these guys and this, that, and the other. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Malik Willis is a tremendous athlete and he's got a lot of potential. But it feels like, though, that that floor could be much lower than Ritter and he's much more of a work in progress. And I guess what happened is is that people fall in love, people, fans, and things like that fall in love with the idea of his athleticism. He's a great story. He's a great kid. He had a good senior bowl, this, that, and the other. And so it's natural to think that, hey, the Falcons need quarterback or the Panthers need quarterback. Why not take one of these guys? And history has said that these teams will reach and grab and they will go for not, not those particular franchise, but just in general, if you're gonna reach and grab for a guy, it's always quarterback. You're not reaching and grabbing for other positions. If you're going to reach and grab for a guy, it's always going to be at the quarterback position because if you can't get that right, your franchise is not going to go where it needs to be. So in the debate of Ritter and Willis, obviously time will tell. They're both going to pretty good situations. But I think when you look at it, though, that Ritter was the right choice. And I think he's a more polished product. I think he's a more accomplished quarterback. And I think the Falcons got it right with this. I'm not mad that they took Ritter over Willis, but we'll see. Time will tell with all of this stuff. All right, when we get back, I'm going to say no, 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 no to a proposed trade for the Atlanta Hawks as we talk about they need another star player. No thanks to this move. John Chuckry is hitting hard on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hitting hard with John we're right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We again ask you to head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your browser, search for us there, find us, subscribe. It's an ever-growing community. We want you to be a part of it. Tell us what you think. Leave us some commentary on one of the episodes. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Remember last week we talked about the idea of bringing and making a move and being open to the idea of Kyrie Irving coming over. Now, part of this was based upon the fact that the Brooklyn Nets had lost between 50 and $100 million last year. And Irving's in, you know, he's got to opt in. He's got a player option woody Willie, i think he opts out i think he's trying to get a max deal you know this and the other okay go back in time a little bit too to the trade deadline and one of the rumors was that the atlanta hawks were in the market potentially for a move on ben simmons when simmons was going to be traded hawks trying to find something there 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 is a There is a proposed trade that was out there. There's a proposed trade that was out there for John Collins and Bogdanovich for Ben Simmons. Now I don't want anything to do with Ben Simmons and somebody has proposed a new trade of Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons for Capella bogey and one of their first round picks. Now look, I know the Hawks need defensive help, okay? And I know they could use another good wing player. And I understand all of that. But, brother, I am staying as far away. When we go down the list of star players, I am going as far away from Ben Simmons as I possibly can. I want nothing to do with Ben Simmons. First off, he's decided to have back surgery. Why he didn't have this done months ago or whatever like that, considering he didn't play a friggin' game all year long. I have no idea. I know the Hawks maybe teased it, and there were some rumors, and again, Collins and Bogey for him and all. Okay, I don't know how much true that all is, but an idea of Ben Simmons for Capella, Bogey, and a first-round draft pick want nothing to do with it. Uh, ben Simmons, to me, you guys think Kyrie Irving is a pariah? Brother, I don't want nothing to do with this guy. I don't want, he's an Instagram model. He's more worried about what outfits he's wearing on the sidelines. He hasn't shown that he has the heart to want to play basketball. There's nothing about Ben Simmons that I want to touch. We can talk about just about everybody else in the league. We can talk about Kyrie. we we'll to talk about, you know, even a Rudy Gobert or a Donovan Mitchell or, you know, Zach Levine, who's probably not even realistic. I'd rather talk about unrealistic guys than I would to talk about a trade that involves losing one, my low post presence, okay, for a guy who I don't even know if he wants to play. I don't know what, you know, what happens if you trade for a guy like that and he comes to your franchise, comes here, and he's like, well, I don't know, you know, I'm not happy. And, you know, I've got my mental health issues and all that that I didn't reveal until... I was getting fined and all this kind of stuff. And, oh, yeah, my back hurts. And now I have to – it's just – again, I have to laugh. People got frustrated about the idea of wanting Kyrie Irving. You think this guy's an upgrade? I I know he's a great defensive player. Maybe the best one-on-one defensive player in the entire of the NFL as a wing player and all that and and the other. But my bigger – as much as – if the playoffs taught us something, okay, and I understand the Hawks defense is not good. Okay. But if the playoffs taught us something about the Atlanta Hawks, they have to find another score to go with Trey young. It was evident so many times it can't be Trey goes for a bunch. And then who are we going to throw a dart at the wall with to get us enough points or Trey isn't playing well because defensively the other team, is making life difficult for him and we just don't have an option B at that point. And that's what the playoffs showed the Atlanta Hawks. So I understand they need an upgrade defensively. And 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 I'm with you that they need some more defensive pieces. You feel like you've got a guy that's good enough at center. You feel like Deandre Hunter can help out on the wing, okay? I understand they probably would like to have a little bit more, you know, defensive post presence, you know, you'd love to see John Collins be a little, uh, okay, I got all that stuff. But when we start talking about in the playoffs, you're seeing it from multiple teams. You know, Kyrie Irving didn't get the help from Kevin Durant that he needed. James Harden, by himself, can't do it. You see what the Sixers look like with Embiid back. If nothing else, Embiid just being on the court, even if he's not playing well, changes up the entire dynamic of that team. You're seeing the Bucks right now, struggling some. It's Giannis and a cast of characters. They don't have their second big guy in Middleton to really help them out. Yeah, I-, I love Drew Holiday. He's a great player. Helped him out immensely last year, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You need that second scoring star to go with your guy. And, again, we can have discussions about what the name is on the back of the jersey and this, that, and the other, but I don't want nothing to do with Ben Simmons. I don't know how much he wants to play. I don't know what he thinks his future is. I know he loves being an Instagram model or dating a Kardashian or trying to steal, you know, one of his buddy's girlfriends or what, whatever all the stories and rumor and innuendo are. So you can't tell me, you can't be a person that would tell me that you don't want Kyrie Irving, but you would want Ben Simmons. That's like, that's like dipping down in the bottom of the barrel even further to where you get the sludge and all that. I understand the issues that would come with Kyrie Irving, but boy, as a player and what he does way more than what Ben Simmons does. And again, I think the Hawks are going to go big and bold with their move. I don't think that they are going to just add a couple pieces here, or there, make a trade here. No, I think they are legitimately looking to add a superstar caliber player to this roster because that's what they showed they need. And I don't mean a guy, I'm not even excited about Rudy Gobert. I know I have a good defense, but again, he's a 15.15 rebound guy. I have a 14.14 rebound guy right now. I need a guy who can score buckets and score a lot of points with Trey when I need it. Give me a guy you wanna tell me it is Levine or Beal or Irving or um, Donovan Mitchell, I'm good with all that. We, and again, I'm not saying that we can figure out our defense, but that's what killed the Hawks in the playoffs. It wasn't just a matter of a lack of defense. You saw that once the Miami Heat took Trey Young out of that game, and you saw in the play-in games when Trey would struggle, they can't find enough offense to bail them out. John Collins can't bail you out offensively. Bogey on some nights can, some nights can't. Gallinari on some nights can, some nights can't. Herter, a night here, a night there, but nothing consistent. And that's where I talk about broadening your horizons because I don't think Zach Levine is going to be realistic. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's realistic. I, I think you have to look at some of the guys around the league Maybe it's a deal. Somebody asked me about John Wall. John Wall's $47 million next year. Unless the Rockets buy him out, I'm not touching John Wall for $47 million and wrecking my franchise for it. So miss me with Ben Simmons, but you have to find another score that compliments Trey Young. All right, we ask you to head over to YouTube uh, and uh, check out uh, our page there, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Put that in the browser on YouTube.com. Subscribe. Tell us what you think. Leave us a review. You can check me out on Twitter as well, at JMCH316. We thank you for making Hitting Hard your first listen every day. Don't forget, check out my friends at ATL Day 1s for your second listen. My buddy Jarvis Davis, my friend Tanitra Batiste, talking about the heart of the city of Atlanta. They're talking about dogs, hawks, falcons. Everything you want, Braves, everything that you need to step in the conversation. ATL Day Ones is part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, of course, free and available on everywhere that you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Back with you tomorrow morning as, believe it or not, we're getting close to NFL schedule release. I don't know what that means, but we're almost there. It is hitting hard with John Chukri here on Locked On Sports Atlanta.